0: I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family Podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Marriage can be challenging. Throw in a 61-year prison sentence while raising six boys as a single mom while relentlessly advocating against a system designed to keep your husband in prison, and it can be brutal. Today's guests are Fox and Rob Richardson. They are an amazing couple whose love, marriage, and family survived in the circumstances I just mentioned. They are a testimony of an incredible example of keeping their faith in great trials and the redeeming power of Christ. They're here to talk to us today about their new book, Time, the untold story of love that held us together when our incarceration kept us apart. In our time together, we talked about what caused them to be incarcerated, what it took to raise a family while separated, and how they turned their experience into a ministry that is impacting not only the lives of other families that have imprisoned family members, but the judicial system in Louisiana and beyond. Fox and Rob, it is incredible to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having us. We're delighted to be here. So, a question we ask all of our guests is What is your family known
1: for? Ah, oh, that is such a good question. I, know,
2: right?
1: I think that I would probably say that our family is known for making success the best revenge. That's good. <laughs> that, um, in spite of everything that we have been through and every obstacle that life has thrown at us and even some of the obstacles we created for ourselves, that we have made it our mantra to make success the best way to get at systems that want to deny you, lock you out, oppress you, silence you. And so we work to succeed anyway. So that would be my thought. What's yours, Rod?
2: I think mine would probably be that our family is probably best known for our for making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, while I was in uh, incarcerated, uh, they used to have a saying with one of the organizations that I was a part of, and it says that I have done so much with so little for so long that I am now an expert or qualified to uh, to make something from absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, those words just seem to have always resonated with me and my family because, uh, you know, we weren't the richest of people coming into a situation just based upon the uh, you know just the data alone, much of mm-hmm. what uh, what we experienced pointed toward failure. Children of incarcerated parents are more likely to wind up in prison themselves more so than to wind up in college. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to drop out of out of school commit suicide. Um, commit suicide and all those other things. Mm-hmm. families uh, when you think about marriages, over sixty five percent of all marriages absent of incarceration end in divorce. So the mass majority of our of our weddings or I mean our 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 marriages are ending in divorce, but yet we were able to hold on during clearly one of the most challenging of our situations and yet we were able to make something of that. And throughout that whole experience, I think they referred to us as the first family, they referred to us as the Obamas even while we were while we were incarcerated inside of the work that we do for social justice. They called us the first family of social justice. So, you know, just when you think about those things, and yet to the flip side of that, we have put six or well, five of our six sons have all gone to college, two of whom have served our military honorably. And mm-hmm. our 16 year old is, heck, in the next six months, on his way to college as well, uh, leaving high school early and then going off to uh, pursue his uh, collegiate studies as well. So when you just think about those types of things, uh, we go from the pits of hell of Angola to walking the uh, red carpet at one of the most exclusive Oscars ever, not because uh, we had tickets or we were a plus one for someone, <laughs> but because our family' story had made it uh, had made it to to that that amazing stage so yeah. uh, that is by far what i would have to say we have been known for making something from nothing.
0: Oh, i absolutely love that. That something from nothing. I do i, I mean people that make excuses that find reasons to never achieve their goals or live out their values. It's hard, it's hard for me to enjoy people like that. <laughs> I am always trying to strive to be better you know, between my faith and just wanting to grow and learn personally, I am constantly looking to make something out of nothing. And I, and I do feel like it's a mindset and it's a mentality and it's something that needs to be cultivated. And I don't know that many people are born with that. I just believe that it's, it's just built into who you are as a person. And so I find that inspiring and encouraging. And I love that. That's awesome.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay. So you're here to talk about your memoir. You share the story. You touched a little bit on your introduction about your history and your past, but your story shares how you kept your family together while separated by incarceration for two decades. I mean, that's a really long time. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the beginning of that story and what led you to where you are now.
2: Fox and I started out as high school sweethearts. Actually, uh, we met in 1987 uh, while I was home visiting from uh, from a boot camp, from leave, uh, from the military. We met through a mutual friend of ours, and uh, I uh, met Fox when I when I knocked at her door to give her and uh, our mutual friend a, a ride to school. Now, there's two sides to this story, and it <laughs> usually depends on which one of us that you're asking but I'll skip over that part and just get straight <laughs> to the meat of it all and that is is that when I when I when I got to the door and fox answered I literally experienced what I have come to know as love at first sight and I would probably say that I spent the rest of that day trying to convince fox that she was equally as in love with me <laughs> um, <laughs> we that basically took on took on a life of its own we spent maybe 10 years of an on-again, off-again relationship while I was in the military and she went on to to her collegiate uh, pursuits. And uh, as uh, things, the universe would have it, we landed yet again back in one another's presence, but this time with the intention of uh, making something of this 10-year on-again, off-again relationship that we've had with one another, to which I proposed to Fox and asked for her hand in marriage. She agreed, but not without some resistance. Uh, <laughs> the resistance was because too long,
1: Kim, you know? <laughs> I'm, really, I'm over that.
2: So what ultimately ended up happening is is that she agreed, and uh, instead of putting on a, a big fancy wedding or you know any of the traditional things, uh, Fox and I agreed to uh, to elope, and we ended up going to a small chapel in uh, Kissimmee, St. Cloud, Florida, where we exchanged nuptials with one another. We spent the rest of the evening at what was then Pleasure Island, which is one of the uh, destinations at, uh, at at Disney World. And uh, we entertained ourselves there. We uh, consummated our marriage uh, later on that night by bungee jumping. Uh, like we couldn't have thought of another way to do this, right? <laughs> but uh, we bungee jumped and uh, and soon thereafter, headed back to our hometown of uh, Shreveport. The big uh, dreams. Big dreams. Plans to uh, fulfill, you know, the dreams that we had, you know, had talked about for, you know, for a decade, you know. And uh, that was to uh, jumpstart a, a home for ourselves where we'd be able to raise our children, start a business. And, you know, basically uh, fulfill the American dream. We found ourselves in the process of doing so. Just as we were about to celebrate all of these amazing things that had happened for us, and the fact that we had found our way back to one another, and we had exchanged vows with one another, and we were set to, you know, to fulfill a a successful life together, and as what is it, Murphy's Law? When they say that everything that could happen happens, and that being bad bad stuff, all of the bad things that happened—the house that we, you know, that was once our our dream dream we turned out. found out later that it was the house from hell. We bought a house that was on a crack foundation. And then there had been an addition to the house before we bought it. And the addition was, was poorly done to which when we got our first real frame, rain. the house literally flooded. <laughs> oh so my the gosh. carpets that we had laid down in the house, the paint that we had put on the all walls, the, the furnishings that we had, uh, that we had, you know, adorned the house with all of that went to a it it went to rubble. We found ourselves, you know, uh, know, really perplexed about that, you know, and that's putting it lightly. And if things couldn't have gotten worse, our third oldest son was diagnosed with an ailment by doctors that they could not explain. He started having unexplainable seizures. Mm -hmm. And uh, that sent us uh, further uh, into a a space that uh,
1: then we had launched our first business, only to discover that we had broken all the major rules of business: yeah. location, location, location. We right. opened a clothing Aww. store in the midst of an industrial market,
2: and it um, might have worked if we were actually warehousing clothes, right? Right, <laughs> uh, retail sale clothes. It was the worst place. Fox and this and is before social
1: in- media, right? Where you could like, yeah, get the
0: word out. yeah. And yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: right. yeah. yeah. so
1: then, but and then in the midst of that. I'm, I'm a professor at the university and, and at the end of the summer session, they discontinued my program. So I'm out of a job. It was just like, you wouldn't believe like every week it was something else. And Mm -hmm. after our first six months of marriage, we found ourselves literally um, to a point of despair. And uh, as you know, Often in our society, desperate people do desperate things, mm-hmm. and that landed us trying to salvage what we thought was our family's empire, if you mm-hmm. would, and try to take what we, the resources that we needed to maintain ourselves in this crisis mm-hmm. after exhausting every other option, and and found ourselves facing 297 years in prison in Louisiana's criminal justice system, mm-hmm. and would spend the next 21 years. I had a girlfriend of 20, we would spend the next 21 years trying to put our family back together again. I had a girlfriend that came over a couple of months ago for breakfast and we were talking to her about how we were only together six months before we found ourselves, you know, in the, in the pits of hell. And she says, wow. That must have been an incredible first six months of marriage. I said, it was so incredible that I would spend the next 21 years trying to get it back, trying to restore Mm -hmm. what God had given us. Like with our own hands, we had taken this precious entity that God had bestowed and entrusted to us and and destroyed it. And so we would spend the next 21 years in total pursuit every day, Mm -hmm. all day from sunup to sundown, trying to figure out how to put it back together again. So in 2018, with God's blessings, we were able to do just that. The state of Louisiana had sentenced my husband to prison to die there. Due to excessive sentencing by an overzealous prosecutor, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't as though we were not willing to take responsibility for what we had done for our transgressions, Mm -hmm. but what the state was requiring of us—death by Mm -hmm. incarceration—we just didn't think was fair and just for the mitigating circumstances around our um, our offense. And so, you know, we did it in such a style and grace with God's courage. Rob got his degree and theology while he was at Angola in the pits of Hill when we were challenged in our marriage at the deepest part, God would have him in a marriage and family counseling course. Can you imagine Kimberly? How, <laughs> how timely is our God? And so yes. when I'm struggling and saying 13 years in, no no relief in sight, and I am just at my wit's end, he is saying, Fox, you better put your big girl draws on because this, what we're doing, this institution of family, it is bigger than any one of us. There are people that are counting on us to make it. We serve as a demonstration of what is possible to others. And God is counting on us to be faithful over a few things. And I tell you, Kimberly, Rob came home in 2018. And every day, as I say in the documentary that shares our story, Time, which is streaming on Amazon, every day, it's like I move further and further away from remembering just how bad it actually hurt. Yeah. So could you give us like a little
0: bit of a timeline? Kind of like, you know, you're married. When did the incarceration take place? Like, what was the process like? When were you fighting and raising your boy, boys? When were you unavailable to be able to do that? Like, can you give us just like
1: a quick sort of... Sure. Bring us uh, on Rob that. and I married April 24th of 1997. Next month, we celebrate 26 years of marriage. Congrats. Uh, and in September of 1997, we were... Found ourselves incarcerated and facing 297 years. Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced in 1999. I w- took a plea deal and started serving my time in prison in 2000 uh, mm-hmm. after giving birth to our twin boys. And Came home in 2003. And from 2003, with my return from prison, I worked as a double parent, raising our six boys and fighting for his return until he was released in September of 2018. As a matter of fact, we did exactly 21 years and four days from the day we went into the system to the day we came out of the system. Mm -hmm. And they say seven is the number of perfection, Kim. So God must (laughs) have wanted to make sure we were perfect three times over. Plus four days <laughs> before right. we could restore ourselves.
0: Yeah. So, what kind of support did you have during the time? Because I, you know, like your story is a story of triumph, but there must have been some. There must have been some support that you had. I mean, I can't imagine getting through this.
1: I would probably say what I came to understand was that my family was my greatest support system. Many people don't realize that our children, you know. When, when we used to, as citizens, work farms, we understood that everybody, every member of the family had a role, mm-hmm. whether it was milk in mm-hmm. the cows before you went to school. But all of this... Livelihood that we have now, where the only responsibility our children have is going to school and doing their homework. And we see how that's turning out for us. I think that Uh, when we give our children responsibilities for the family, then it makes mm, them committed to the family and it gives them a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose and ownership. And so our children very early on, because of our transgressions, they had to buy into our family model and every member of the family had to contribute. I was Mm -hmm. self-employed. So whatever we were doing, whether it was selling tea cakes that my mom made, whether it was selling T-shirts that we had made or oils or whether it was selling cars when we had our car dealership. um, Every member of our family had to participate in the process. And so in that, it just built character, it built strength, and it allowed mm. our children to have a sense of 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 well-being and confidence to know mm. that no matter what they're dealing with in life, that they they can make it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Did I answer your question, Keith? Yes, I'm um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes definitely
0: i mean i'm a big fan i mean i'm come up with things for my kids to do so that they know that they have a part to play and then i'm constantly reminding them like this doesn't just happen on its own you know like there are things that need to be in process and that's right yeah they they do have it easy and my my me and my friends often talk about like how can we have make sure that they have skin in the game you know yes
1: yes yes If you don't have skin in the game, you don't have no value for the game. No, nope. no, nope.
0: no. Nope. And as we're sending, you know, like we, you know, I told you earlier, I have, so I have a sixteen, I have an eighteen, and then a nineteen about to turn twenty. And as we're sending them into the world, you know, to be on their own and to do things on their own. It's like, I'm so glad that I've done some of the things I've done, but I do think I've still fallen short because we do have ease in a lot of the things that we do. And, you know, I, I didn't, and I fought so hard to make things easy for them, but in making things Uh too easy for them, are they going to be prepared for when they need Uh to be on their own? So I'm always thinking that through. So I think what you said is spot on, super important for us to understand, you know, if we need to realize that it's not it's not always obvious, but we need to understand that concept. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that.
0: Um, so what did that what are the what did the years look like when you were fighting for your husband's release? You know, what was the process like you were
1: Yeah. They looked lonely. They looked actually, even when Rob came home, I had to deal with my own abandonment issues. Mm. You know the fact that we had married; life was perfect for us in our minds, and then we lost everything. He left me, Mm -hmm. and he left me for an undetermined amount of time. You know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't like um, some families when they go to prison; they know it's going to be a year. They know exactly what the sanctions are. But the sanctions that our family was given was so intense that we could never own those sanctions Mm -hmm. because it would mean that he would be dying in prison. Right, and so just living every day pushing past the embarrassment and the humiliation that is associated with incarceration Mm -hmm. and being an incarcerated family, I really had to dig deep into my faith and understand that I am more than the worst thing that I have done and that if my God can forgive me, then I can forgive myself and then I can expect forgiveness from my community as well. And I can walk in that and not allow society to shun me, to shame me, or to shut me up for my transgressions. Because mm, truth be told, good. Kimberly, in one way or another, we have all fallen short of God's glory and grace.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well said. So, Rob, when you were in prison, it, I'm sure it wasn't easy. I mean, it's known as American America's bloodiest penitentiary. So how did you mm. remain strong and resilient? I mean, was that developed while you were there? Was that something that you always had? I mean, talk to me about how you mm. made it through and are here.
2: I want to. I know a lot of times, Kim, when we find ourselves at, at rock bottom, the one good thing about being at rock bottom is that you realize that you have nowhere to go but up. But in the process of real, of that realization, I think you tap in a lot of times to that potential that I believe all human beings have inside of us mm-hmm. if we tap into it. Mm-hmm. And when I say tap into it, I'm talking about the thing that that indestructibility of the of the in human the will and spirit, you know, to to persist, to exist uh, uh-huh. despite all uh, all else. When you think Mm -hmm. about the fact that in our conception, you know, you're talking about more than 300 to 500 million sperm cells that are released from our fathers. And it takes off up the uh, and tubes of the woman and then in pursuit of uh, of, of life. And each one of those sperm cells are each representing a potential life. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the fact that you personally Kimberly, Fox, Rob—that we won out over the three hundred to five hundred million sperm cells. It's like winning out over all of America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to, to the here. egg, and not only get to the egg, but to seal it off to 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 safeguard it so that no others come in in the event that you're not a twin. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> we
2: have a set of as well, right? <laughs> right. But it's in that moment that if we as human beings could when we're in our lowest moments, Mm -hmm. can tap in and realize that we came to be, you know, under those circumstances, under that volatile environment, you know, uh, to to be who we are in in life, that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's then, I think, that we're able to realize what's necessary Mm -hmm. to bring us from the bottom back up to up to the top. That being said, when I got to prison, uh, one of the first things uh, that happened was uh, a guy uh, introduced me to the uh, to the Thirteenth Amendment, as he was working to prepare me how to litigate my own case because we had exhausted all uh, all possible remedies as well mm-hmm. as uh, avenues to uh, to petition the court. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started taking a class while I was uh, incarcerated. Uh, It was called legal writing and research. And in there, at the fundamental basis of it all, they gave us the historical values to what it is that we were looking to challenge when we Mm -hmm. challenge our, our American system. That being said, the 13th Amendment is the amendment that basically says both to our state and federal constitutions that slavery in this country has been abolished, except when you've been duly convicted of a crime. Hmm. So if you've been duly convicted of a crime, slavery is back on. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's back in play. Wow. Uh, I found myself at Angola on an 18,000 sprawling acre farm plantation. In fact, the plantation that gets its name from Angola, Africa. So those uh, people that were transported from Angola, Africa, they landed in the grounds that we now know as Angola State Penitentiary, hmm. where it was a, a breeding ground. And that breeding ground, you know, they shipped people from Angola prison. Well, it was the breeding ground then, but they shipped them to to the the auction blocks in New Orleans, and and where they traded them off, and they went off to other farms, they went off to other plantations and the likes. Well, mm-hmm. time would pass, and then eventually, it they moved the women off of the of the land, and then it became a state prison. <laughs> But before it became a state prison, it became a grounds to where they did convict leasing, where they leased the people out to basically do slave labor for you know private held businesses, private farms, you know, and the likes. So that you know is the background history of, of mm-hmm. Angola. But while there, like I said, it it made me realize that I had been kind of taken back into time. And with that being said, the tap in for me was tapping back into the more than 400 years of chattel slavery that our ancestors had to endure in order to become who they are and who we are at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. So I knew then that if they could overcome the hardships of what chattel slavery must have looked like to them, then surely I could overcome the new form of, of that condition. Uh, That 60 year condition that I had Mm. been sentenced to that I would be able to tap in because the DNA that runs through the veins of those that have have, been before me Mm. uh, ran also through my own veins. And it was just a matter of tapping in and inside Mm. of tapping into that DNA, to that history, it allowed me to overcome Uh, everything Mm -hmm. that i was facing inside of uh, inside of prison walls Mm -hmm.
0: i'm imagine imagining that you were tempted to give up on your faith i mean i'm i mean i get mad at god oh yes the most ridiculous things at what point were you like i'm i'm sticking with god and i'm gonna trust and believe that that god's got his hand on my life
2: that's right again it was a matter of tapping in, and when I tapped in at, at this particular moment, it was tapping into biblical stories that that I had an opportunity to read from the stories of Joseph to the afflictions of uh, Job to you know even the uh, as guilty as Paul was you know things that he each tapped into and even Jesus mm-hmm. you know all of whom have questioned God at some point you know that's what Jesus's whole piece was on the cross about saying you know that if there if you could uh, Move this bitter cup, you know. Pass it on to somebody mm-hmm. else. I don't need it, you know. I don't want it, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I'm sure that Job, as he was, you know, experiencing all of the afflictions, to unlike Paul, no, you know, to no, to Noah fault of his own, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Job was like actually perfect, you know, for for you know all practical purposes, but yet he experienced a level of, of affliction that would cause one to question, and if not question in some cases, you know, like really be upset, you know, with, uh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in reading those stories, I uh, was able to hear from those stories, God saying to each of those subjects that this is a greater work that is being performed. Mm-hmm. You are just a subject in that process with that to, to be in business or uh, creating or co-producing with somebody as, 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 as dope as God, you know, I then fell into my role and said, you know what, if this is God's work, then come on, man, I'm here for it. You know, mm, that, wow. that's, that's so through my life, I know that now in hindsight, that through my demonstration, through the demonstration of my family, we have been able to demonstrate to other families that they too, despite what the odds may be against them, that with God, all things are possible and mm-hmm. that you can work through whatever condition life has thrown your way. And uh, each or day- Or that you have created. That's right. So each day I woke up much like the same characters that I mentioned in the Bible. And I woke up with purpose. I mm-hmm. woke up knowing that I would be able to, to get through this. And there's a great difference between someone who maybe curses or is you know outraged with God there's a difference between that and, say, apostasy. Apostasy is when you actually turn totally away mm. from and abort the, uh, the mission. Yeah. Uh, I was upset, but I never thought to abort God, because as long as there were things happening about me, this heart of my chest that was beating that had nothing to do with me, I couldn't I didn't think to tell it to beat. I didn't think to make my 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 lungs, you know, exhale and, and, and deflate, you know, the, the faculties that were working inside of my head. None of that was was my doing. Mm-hmm. So I knew that there was something greater than me at play at all times, even in my frustrations and even in my anger. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you know, it never crossed my mind to uh, to abort the mission. It was just to be able to get some type of understanding or meaning to so your suffering, to my yeah. suffering.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I I do need to know how you kept that spark of love alive while you were separated. Because, I mean, my husband's with me every day and I'm still trying to out.
1: <laughs> You know what? When I came to visit one time, there was an elder woman that was visiting. I probably had been visiting Angola about maybe seven years when I ran into this woman. And she, I was like, you know, how do you do it? Because I'm thinking like, you know, Shucks, I am tired of driving five hours here, five hours back. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just a lot. And uh, the woman says to me, I said, well, how long have you been coming? And the lady says, I've been coming 20 plus years.
2: I think it was what, 27 years? Yeah, ago, wow. I think it i like tw- almost
1: 28 years. I got my, my jaw dropped. I'm like, oh, you know, hell no, I'm not going to be doing this for, you know, 30 years. This is, you know, insane. And the woman, I say, how do you do it? And the lady says to me, she says, well, you know, it gets old, then it gets new, then it gets old again, then it gets new again. And uh, and I said, you know, just like life, love is ebb and flow, but as long as the relationship, the friendship mm-hmm. is what carries us when our love, our intimacy may be at its peak or mm-hmm. when our intimacy may be at, when it's ebbing, you know? I just think that we have to be patient and understand that life is ebb and flow and every day is not going to be a flowing day and every day is not going to be an ebbing day. I mean, it's like, as as a matter of fact, this month of March, I told Rob, I was like, wow, what's gotten into you lately? (laughs) I found myself whispering, I'm so happy. (laughs) You know, and so for him to um, just in one of those seasons where maybe six months ago, I was complaining, like, you're not holding me close enough. You know, that's, that's what's important to me. You're not mm-hmm. speaking my love language, you mm-hmm. know, and then being able to relax and just say, well, maybe right. Not right now. You know, yeah. we've got a lot of things going on. Maybe just not in this moment, but mm-hmm. sometimes I think we get so caught up in what well, I need, I need, I need, instead of just allowing the ebb and the flow True. and allowing love is, Cyclical. That's right.
2: right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'll give you this part, Kimberly, that was really a big, a big takeaway for me in one of my seminary classes that I was taking. And we were reading a book by uh, Gary Smalley. And the book is called Making Lo- Love Last Forever. And one of my greatest takeaways from the book is that he made a comparison with relationships to that of bank accounts. And he mm-hmm. says that the same objective is in play. The objective is, is like with the bank account a relationship, you must place far more deposits into the relationship than the withdrawals that you will occasionally take. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, it has always been important for both Fox and I to always ensure that we are making that we're being intentional about depositing into one another. Simple things like I love you can count as like petty cash. You know that uh, that you know a spare change or a kiss the, throughout the day. A kiss throughout the day is like that quarter, nickel, dime, or whatever that you find in your ashtray that starts yeah. to build up over time when you pull up in fast food restaurants and you just kind of store it there. And before you know it, you got five dollars $5 worth of spare change or whatever, and you have to put that you know that spare change into that relationship. Yeah. So it's holding hands. It's a, a yeah, gentle right? a gentle look at one another. Brushing shoulders, you know, holding her around her waist, just little simple things like that. They go a long way because God knows there are going to be those moments that you're going to have to take a owner's withdrawal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to take a withdrawal. But
1: like every time we get dressed to go somewhere, and I'm like, would you come? <laughs> pa- <laughs> <laughs> you're going
2: to yeah. me late. <laughs> yeah. Just always remembering to, to make those deposits. It really keeps and makes for not only a a safe and uh, not only a uh, safe and secure bank account, but it works equally with uh, with relationships.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a great reminder. So, I do want to wrap the episode up with one last question. You are active and working towards bettering our system. So, what did you learn about the judicial system, and then what is the role that you're playing now, and what is the progress that you're seeing, if any, are you seeing?
2: Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things, the biggest takeaways from incarceration that Fox and I experienced would have to be that to be free is to free others. September 20th of 2018. Not only had my pardon been been signed, but I had made the parole board and I was discharged from Angola State Penitentiary while I was there as part of my ministry of responsibilities is that I started a social justice ministry while I was incarcerated to, to sow into other people that, that were, you know, facing similar situations as well Mm -hmm. as their families. I was doing that from the inside while simultaneously Fox was doing it from the outside. We did everything from running and organizing marathons. To uh, to, taking families
1: that hadn't visited in years, letting them ride with me to go meet their father for Mm -hmm. the first time Um, be with their mother for the first time in 10 years. Yeah.
2: Or even uh, helping families uh, mediate difficult situations between, uh, you know, victims of crime, as well as uh, the people who had, uh, who had per- per- perpetrated those crimes. Mm-hmm. With that being said, maybe about six months after I got out of prison, Fox and I started Rich Family Ministries. And our first initiative is uh, Participatory Defense Movement NOLA. We call it PDM NOLA for short. And mm-hmm. it's where we teach legal awareness as a best form of defense to mm-hmm. justice involved people. We mark or measure the success of our organization by the amount of time that we save someone opposed to the amount of time that they have been sanctioned to serve. Ooh, so good. so with that being said, we have saved more than 3300 years wow. of people serving time since 2018 April 19. which is 2019 April which was the inception of our organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been other measures of law that we've been able to get passed here in our state, Louisiana. For a very long time, was one of a, a couple of states where you did not have to have a unanimous jury in order to send people to to prison for life. So mm-hmm. we one were of able only two
1: states, us in Oregon.
2: Okay. So we were able to get that measure overturned to where now people who are facing crimes that come with hard labor or crimes that come with extended periods of of time behind bars, that you have to have a unanimous jury Mm -hmm. verdict like everywhere else in the country. country. So we were able to successfully get that passed. Additionally, from 2013, while I was still incarcerated, I started what became a civil action that that subsequently led to the uh, passage of Act 122 which is relative to geriatrics. Geriatrics mm-hmm. are basically people that are identified as people that have served more than 20 years, reach the age of 45, and don't have an earlier parole date than 30 years. When mm-hmm. your 20-year marker hits and you reach the age of 45, you get an opportunity to come before the, uh, the parole board wow. for consideration of, of release. With that being said, over three, what we thought when we initiated the uh, the civil action in 2013 that would help maybe three to five hundred families. When the news came out, when Act 122 was actually passed, we realized that it was more than three thousand families that oh would now, benefit.
1: have an opportunity at parole that, so, that they would never see the light of day from right. prison. So that's the work that we have been doing. That's the success that we have been creating with God, all things are possible. Nothing mm-hmm. is impossible with God. And we walk in that. We know that it is our faith. It is mm-hmm. our truth. And and we move in that truth every day that what God did for us, it is our responsibility to do for other people. Through mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. so, Through Transmedia, the documentary that is streaming live on Amazon Prime Video, through the the, the book, book. Yeah. Uh, time, uh, the untold story of the love that held us together when incarceration kept us apart, is our literary companion to the uh, to the film, mm-hmm. both of which work to uh, to educate and enlighten families that are experiencing not just incarceration, but that are experiencing hard times, hardships, and just realizing that you know our family situation was incarceration, but your family or the something. next person's family may be medical issues. Mm-hmm. For another family, it may be loss, loss of job, loss of, yeah. you know, just loss, period. But understanding that unlike our prison, the many prisons that we find ourselves in, obesity, bad relationships, dead-end jobs, the difference between your prison and our prison is that many of us have the keys to our own selves. We mm-hmm. just have to be willing to let ourselves out, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. So that is what we try to, uh, try to encourage through, uh, through our works is that mm-hmm. uh, that you can't overcome whatever curveball that life may have thrown you. And
0: mm-hmm. oh, What I love about your story is you didn't wait until you got out of prison to start doing good and making a difference and right. making a change. You were able to right. say, this is my purpose in this place that I am right now, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to make a difference and partner with God through that. And I think that's fantastic. I love that.
2: I have learned that whatever state I be in, that which to be content, doesn't mean that you have to be satisfied, but it is a mm. very strong scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's when you find, con- and when you're able to be content with the hand that you've been dealt, it's then that you start to play that hand.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed this conversation and I can't wait for our listeners to check out your book and the documentary.
2: Thank you so
1: much, Kimberly. Thank you for your work. It is so important. Our families, family is everything and everything is family. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: You can find Fox and Rob at foxandrob.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as Fox and Rob. You can also find them on YouTube. I will link to all of this, plus where you can find their book and their Academy Award nominated documentary, Time, in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive, and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family
1: culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.